It's also an embarrassing hike because every time I do it, I have a bunch of 10-year-olds running past me and I think, no, I'm, I'm not <laughs> that bad off. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast and we are excited this week to welcome a listener and friend of the show all the way from Vancouver, BC, north of the border here from us in Seattle. So let me start <laughs> by welcoming our friend of the show, Bruce. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Now, how, how long have you uh, been in Vancouver, Bruce? Have you Did you grow up there or, or how long have you been in Vancouver? Yeah, I, uh, all my life. I've lived in the Vancouver area all my life. Um, the specific city I live in is Richmond, which is about, which is where the Vancouver airport is. So I live about 20 minutes from the airport, which is about 25 minutes from the port of Vancouver. So um, pretty close to everything. <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> yeah. like the, the center of like the Asian food scene in Vancouver is where you live, actually. Yes, yes, we have uh, uh, the highest population of uh, people from mainland China outside of China. Uh, so I think it's like 70%. So there's Chinese food everywhere and it's enjoyable and uh, hot pot. If, if you, I'm still trying to get used to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My friends want me to try it, but uh, um, I still try the uh, non-spicy side of the hot pot. But yeah, I mean, it's great. It's a very multicultural area. You go to Richmond and there's a lot of uh, Asian culture food. You go to Surrey, there's a lot of India culture food. Vancouver has a mix of everything really. So it's mix of cultures everywhere. You just drive around outside, around the cities and around uh, the outskirts, you'll see different cultures all over the place. Yep. Yeah. Well, and we will, we are going to deep dive into Vancouver a little bit this evening as our topic is Vancouver as an embarkation port for Disney Cruise Line. But before we head over there, Bruce, we always like to give folks a chance to talk about their Disney backgrounds and, you know, where their love of Disney came from. And I know you have a particular love of Disney, Bruce. So you want to give folks kind of your Disney background? Yeah. uh, I, my first trip was to Disneyland. I'm a a West Coaster. So Disneyland is my home park. And uh, I went, what I remember anyway, when I was 10. And uh, uh, I had a rough childhood growing up. I was very shy and quiet, still am for the most part. But uh, I remember uh, I lost something that was important to me. I think it was like a pen or something like that. I lost it in the water at Disneyland. And I remember a cast member coming up to me and uh, inviting me in their shop and, you know, uh, calming me down. And they said, oh, you can pick anything you want from this shop. It doesn't matter. We just want you to be happy. Yeah, it was pretty cool because I didn't really have many people in my life outside of my family that, uh, you know, cared. (laughs) So it was like the first time someone outside of my family cared. And it was, and it kind of stuck with me, right? It, It was something that I wanted to be a part of for a long time. And as I got older, I worked in youth programs and we took multiple trips to Disneyland. And there was one trip I remember there was this uh, elderly lady, this was a while ago now, but she worked at Tom Sawyer Island and I noticed her name tag and she was from Vancouver. And I said, uh, and we had a conversation and it was a really good long conversation. And uh, she gave a story of uh, how she had come down when she was a kid, when she was younger, and she met Walt Disney and Walt Disney actually invited her to come back and work at Disneyland. 
And at the end of the conversation, she says, you know, I think you should do that too. So I'm going to pass the invitation on to you. You should come and work at Disneyland someday. So uh, I thought that that was really cool. And it was something I wanted to do for a long time. But of course, it's very hard for a Canadian to <laughs> work in the United States. So uh, that's not happened uh, up to this point. But uh, who knows, maybe someday. You might have to go work um, in Epcot in Florida at the Canadian Pavilion there. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I did that. <laughs> I did do Epcot for one year, so that was uh, that was in 2011. So that was about 10 years ago now. That was that's close to uh, Disneyland as as I got in that regard. Anyway, <laughs> that's so funny. I know of, I know of at least one Canadian working in Disneyland because I have a photo of him at the popcorn stand, and that is uh, Duke Kaboom uh, was, uh, was, oh. <laughs> was 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 turning the popcorn quite well. I wondered if he got his his work visa or not. So he must have. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So over the years, I've been fortunate. I've I've uh, actually been to every Disney park now. So, wow. uh, Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's impressive. And of course, I've done a few cruises. (laughs) Bruce, we have you joining us all the way from Vancouver. And so, as I said up front, we want to talk to you about what it's like to sail out of Vancouver and all the fabulous things you can do in Vancouver. So, um, full disclosure, Sam and I, as many of you know, live in the Seattle area and we actually go to Vancouver quite a bit. I've been up several times to run the Vancouver BMO marathon or half marathon. We have not sailed out of Vancouver, but we have stayed in Vancouver many, many times. And so we thought it would be fun for us to also share some of our favorites as we travel up there and then hear from Bruce as a longtime resident and local of some things that he likes to do. So let's start where we always do, which is how are we getting to Vancouver? And so, Bruce, (laughs) if you're not coming from just across the border, where are we where are we flying into? Okay, so you guys are going to fly into Vancouver International Airport and. You'll wind up on the international side, of course. It's going to be tricky uh, how the airport is going to reopen right now because everything has changed. But pre-COVID, after you cross the border, claim your bags and stuff, in the room prior to all the meet and greet areas, you'll see a bunch of uh, desks with uh, computer screens, which will uh, list all the cruise lines. And so a lot of people, if you booked transportation with the cruise company, you'll probably check in at the airport before you go into the public area uh, with the cruise sign and uh, head on your way uh, through that method. Uh, If you didn't book uh, transportation through the cruise sign, then you could, you have many options. You can take taxis and the taxis have a flat rate from the airport. I think it's like 36 Canadian dollars, but the flat rate is important. So the flat rate is only leaving the airport. Uh, it, when you come back to the airports, you'll be charged per meter. So you could take the taxi, you could take Uber and Lyft, which is probably the same price as the taxi. So why not just take the taxi? <laughs> you could take the train. Uh, the train leaving the airport is about $8 or so a person. Children is a little less. And when you return to the airport, it's $3 a person and children are a little less. So uh, there's many options to get around from the airport, uh, but those are the most common. Where does the train take you to if you're taking it from the airport? Like what are you, are you able to get into sort of the center of downtown Vancouver or can you get all the, I guess the port is quite close to there, but can you get all the way to the port if you're uh, traveling by train from the airport? Yeah, you get about a five-minute walking distance from the uh, Port of Vancouver. 
Um, so our system is called SkyTrain. Uh, it, it's kind of like the metro system. And so uh, you will follow the signs when you're at the airport, which says train to city. And uh, you'll buy your tickets up on the platform. And uh, you'll take it all the way to the last stop, which is called Waterfront. And so you just keep going to the end. And when you get off, how do you find your directions around Vancouver? It's pretty easy. Uh, you look for the mountains. The mountains are always pointing north. And so you know which way everywhere else is because you just look for the mountains. And so from the train station, you just go west and you're there five minutes from the train station. So it's pretty easy. I, I will say, so in terms of getting there, there is there is an alternative, which is, as Bruce alluded to, we drive up. So you could fly into Seattle uh, and rent a car if you wanted to spend some time in Seattle pre-cruise, you could. The drive from Seattle to Vancouver is, I want to say it's about four hours, if my memory I, serves. I think, it's, I think it's actually closer to three hours. But it becomes four hours because of the wait at the border. So that's really where, right, which is going to be, which is going to be one of my tips. Which is if 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 you're going to drive the U.S. into Canada and you live near a border state or you're in a border state uh, to Canada already, I would highly highly look into getting your Nexus Pass if you can. It takes a little bit of time, but it speeds entry in and out of Canada. Uh, and so we we have Nexus passes. So when we drive up from Seattle, it is a zip in zip out most of the time uh, because we don't have to wait in the long lines at the border. I will also say most of the time the line is not getting into Canada. It's coming back into the US. So if you drive up, you do want to build in some time for the border wait. Getting into Canada is usually fairly fast and efficient. I, I can't recall a time we've waited for more than a few minutes, although we have Nexus, but I also don't recall a time when the lines were really backed up getting into the Canadian side of things. But coming back into the US, you can wait quite a while at the border, especially if you don't have a, a Nexus Pass to get back I, in. Yeah, I would say that traveling into Canada, you might wait like 20 minutes, but traveling back from Canada into the US, you can wait an hour and even more if you do not have a Nexus Pass. If you have a Nexus Pass, you still might wait like 20 minutes. Yeah, that sounds about right. And and if you are a tourist in Seattle and maybe you didn't rent a car, there's also a quick shuttle that you can book and it will go from uh, Seattle airport or from uh, downtown Seattle area and it will go to downtown Vancouver as well. Uh, they usually can do a good job of skipping the long lineups at the border <laughs> as well. So. <laughs> Uh, so for those that don't uh, drive too often, that's that's an option too if you want to go see Seattle. Mm -hmm. And there's a train as well. Amtrak. I was going to say Amtrak has a train. So there there's an Amtrak train you can take to get into Vancouver. We have not taken that, so I'm not quite clear on where it drops you off, Bruce. I don't know if you know where the train station I, is. That one will drop off at. Uh, oh my goodness! There is a train station. It's near downtown area. So you'll, once you get off. Uh, the Amtrak's train, you would jump on the SkyTrain, which is the public train that I was talking about, and you would head west. I think it's like three stops. So it's not too far away from downtown. Of course, you could get a taxi as well. So it's not too far away. It's it's pretty close. I, and I, I will put the plug in for the SkyTrain. I've used that on race weekends for the marathon. They usually give us a free pass for the SkyTrain to get from downtown out to the park where they start the race. And that's a really nice train and a really nice option. Are Uber and Lyft running again, Bruce, in Vancouver? Because for a while, they were prohibited from operating in the city. Yeah, uh, they are now. For a while, it was just a battle with the taxi companies. And of course, how do we 
charge fairly and, and so on and so forth. Uber and Lyft, uh, I, I don't take them that often, nor do I take taxis that often. I'm a public transit person, but uh, I, the price though is is not too much of a difference, I think, nowadays. I think Uber and Lyft are a little cheaper than taxis, but it's it's not as significant as way back in the day when Uber and Lyft first started. So um, a lot of taxes get added on and stuff like that, right? So the fees add up after a while. The other tip I'll give our listeners, uh, Bruce, again, you mentioned this briefly up front uh, when you said something cost, you know, $10 or whatever it was, and you mentioned Canadian dollars. And so obviously Canada is on a different currency than the United States. And we talk about dollars to see if you were talking about Canadian dollars, but we love going to Vancouver because in most <laughs> cases, uh, the prices in Vancouver are a little bit less than what we pay in the States. If it's like some chain that crosses the border, like a Home Depot or a Costco or a McDonald's or whatever it is, like they literally just keep the same price, but it's in Canadian dollars, not U.S. dollars. And uh, unfortunately for Canada, but fortunately for the U.S., our dollar is a little bit stronger than the Canadian dollar. And so we get a little <laughs> bit of a discount yeah, on most but things. Our taxes, we have two sales taxes. One is provincial sales tax. One is uh, federal sales tax. So you always be charged the federal sales tax. But the provincial one, if you're buying essential things or essential foods and whatnot, then generally they won't charge the provincial sales tax. Uh, another thing that, that I think it's uh, important is that uh, uh, if you carry cash, the best thing to do is to exchange the cash to uh, Canadian dollars. Uh, because if you don't, chances are, especially in the downtown Vancouver area, you're going to get Canadian dollars back anyway, and probably not the greatest exchange rate. So when you're out and about in Vancouver, you will probably want to, if you carry cash, you'll probably want to exchange it to Canadian dollars. The best thing is just to use, you know, the Visa or debit cards and just pay that way because then you don't have to worry about exchange rates and, and things like that. And and we're very modern in where uh, you just tap the machine. You know, you don't give your credit card to anybody. They don't. We were long over the swiping era. You know, you don't swipe your cards anymore. You just tap the machine and and out pops the receipt and you go. So that's the easiest way to pay. If you're heading out of the country to a place like Canada, uh, Bruce is right. The easiest way to pay is with cards, but look to find a card that doesn't have an international transaction fee because what ends up happening is every time you swipe, they're charging you. And so if you can find one that doesn't have an international transaction fee, then it is the simplest way. You, you don't have to worry about you know whether you know, you're paying for that thing with a card and getting some 95 cent charge added to your uh, your credit card because it's in it's a charge in Canada and not the US. So I would I would look for one of those cards that doesn't have an international transaction fee. Oh, and the Starbucks app. The Starbucks app, same app that works in the US, is works in Canada. So yep. and it works <laughs> with your Starbucks card. It works with your Starbucks card in Canada. One of the few countries. There are some countries where, if, like, I think it was in the Czech Republic or Germany, the Starbucks card that I had wouldn't work because it didn't have the right currency. Canada and the UK, I believe, the app just works seamlessly. So you know, they take out their fee in Canadian dollars and do some you know math on the back end to do the the, the conversion. Uh, and same in the UK. But uh, so you can, if you have a Starbucks app and a Starbucks card, you can just use it as you would in the United States <laughs> <laughs> for all of us coffee lovers from Seattle. Well, I think the thing that we've actually missed in all of this conversation that we should probably just step back and say is Vancouver is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous city. And so um, I was struck the first time we visited how gorgeous it is, how clean it is, how easy to get around it is. And the views, the views of the mountains um, that Bruce, you know, Bruce mentioned, you, you, you know, you really can see the mountains from the city. Seattle, you, most of the 
well, it depends on the day, but occasionally you can see mountains, but um, it depends where you are in the city. And Vancouver, you really, um, it's its really incredible, the views you get. And Vancouver is, I, I think, on par is the wrong word. In fact, I think it exceeds in many ways Seattle as a metropolitan destination. And so Vancouver is a fantastic place to visit. And so along those lines, we've talked about how you get there. Talked about some ways you can get from the airport to the port, but I would highly encourage get there early and spend some time. This is a city well worth visiting and investing some time in. And so let's hit pause on the port side of things and talk about those fun things you could do either pre or post cruise in Vancouver. Why don't we start with some activities, Bruce? Like if, if you had folks coming in from out of town and you wanted to show them the highlights of Vancouver, what were some, what are some things that you would do? Yeah. So assuming you have a few extra days, I would suggest going to Grouse Mountain, which is one of the mountains you'll see uh, throughout the city. You can you have a choice. Uh, most people will use the Sky Ride, which will go up the mountain. And uh, some people will use the hiking. Uh, we have rather intense uh, hike called the Grouse Grind. And it's basically like walking upstairs for, if you're really quick, 45 minutes. If you're slower than maybe three hours. But um, it's also an embarrassing hike because every time I do it, I have a bunch of 10-year-olds running past me and I think, no, I'm, I'm not <laughs> that bad off. You know, I work with kids and I can beat them in all these sports, but uh, they're running past me here on this mountain. That's not a very good sign. We'll have to get you down to Seattle, Bruce, for the Space Needle climb. You can... <laughs> oh, my <laughs> they, have, they have firefighters carrying packs and gear and oh, they're wow. just sitting there eating a donut. <laughs> Yes. And so Gross, the top of Gross Mountain is great. They have a lumberjack show. They have two grizzly bears, Grinder and Kula. They were rescued when they were young because I think their their mother got uh, hit by a vehicle. So they built a habitat for them and they will hibernate and stuff like that during the winter time. In the summertime, you can see them out and about. You can do the zip lining as well from certain parts of the mountain. So there's a lot of things you could do up Grouse Mountain. Other options uh, that I would take people would be Capilano Suspension Bridge. It's a suspension bridge. <laughs> it's really high up. I would go first because I don't like looking down. And so while everybody else stops to take pictures, in my head, I'm getting mad at all of them because I want to get past that bridge <laughs> as quick as I possibly can. But a lot of people do enjoy it, though. And there's a tree walk at the other side of the bridge. And... It's really cool. Uh, it's well worth it. And both of those attractions, you can actually get to from Canada Place, which is near the port, and you can take a bus and go over there, or you can take the other traditional methods like public transit or taxis. The more time you have, the better, of course. If you like shopping, uh, Robson Street is in downtown Vancouver. It's an outdoor shopping district. Uh, you can take the train east and go to a shopping mall called metro town which is huge it's really big they got 400 something stores it's massive you can go south to richmond where in my city uh there's a little village called steveson and uh, it's a fishing village it's a quiet little village so you'll see locals and tourists all are out and about they actually filmed the once upon a time tv show in steveson Stevenson is basically Storybrooke for those that know the TV show. Uh, <laughs> and they filmed uh, Peter Pan and Wendy, which is a Disney Plus thing coming out soon. And so we saw the pirate ship and all that stuff in Stevenson not too long ago. So uh, 
the more time you have, the better, right? I mean, I, I would say, you know, if you're going to do Alaska cruise, one of the most enjoyable parts of it, I think, are the, uh, the views and stuff. But even if you go outside a city and you rent a car and you take a couple of days and drive around the province of British Columbia, uh, you'll see just the most amazing views that you can. It's, it's pretty phenomenal and really enjoyable. Well, and it's such a, it is, you, you mentioned, it is such a diversity. I mean, there is so much diversity between the neighborhoods. I mean, they, there is a real, I don't, I don't know what they call it, Chinatown as we do here, um, but there is a real sort of Chinatown area. There is a lot of diversity and culture up there. If you have kids, uh, maybe Sam and I can give a few things that we've done with our son that we really love. Um, Stanley, Stanley Park, Park yep. near downtown. Yeah, Stanley Park is near downtown. It is a massive park. I mean, we would almost view it as like it's like a central park in Vancouver. Um, that it's is like right, a national park. It's a huge park. But, but it is right on a peninsula in the heart of downtown and some prime kind of, you know, oceanfront viewing real estate. So it's really impressive that they've maintained that as a park and not, you know, developed it out. But Stanley Park has some fun areas to take your kids in some play areas. And the aquarium is in Stanley Park, right, Sam? Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. The Vancouver Aquarium is a really, you know, top-notch aquarium, um, amazing uh, jellyfish exhibits, amazing octopus exhibits, um, just some really cool stuff there, uh, stuff that kids will love. It's, it's, not, um, it's not super expensive. They have uh, reciprocity with a lot of other um, zoos and aquariums not just across Canada, but with uh, some that are in the United, actually a lot that are in the United States. So you, I don't think you can, you get in free, but you get like a reduced rate if you're a member at one of their, um, you know, partner aquariums or zoos in the US. So uh, that one is a great location also. One other thing I was going to plug is Granville Island. If you want to check out kind of a cool farmer's market slash food market slash little kind of quaint artistic shops. Um, it's this little tiny island that you can drive or take public transportation to, but it's like right in the middle of Vancouver or at the edge of Vancouver, the, the downtown area, I mean, and it's just adorable. And it's, uh, it's also very kid-friendly, I would say. Yeah, we also have an amusement park called uh, Playland and uh, PNE. And so that's on the eastern side of Vancouver. Um, it's open May till September usually uh, during the period where kids are in school. So here they're in school until the end of June. Um, it's open on weekends. And then when, once kids are out of school, it's open every day. And a good event that they do only happens for two weeks. It happens in August. It's called the Fair at the PNE. And so Playland kind of expands and they open kind of like a a fair type of event where it's like $15 to go in and, you know, you can see different shows and, and musicians and uh, uh, try different foods. And then, of course, you can go to the amusement park side and you can buy either uh, individual tickets for individual rides or you can buy a ride pass. And so it, it attracts something like 30,000, 40,000 people a day, kind of like a Disney theme park almost. Uh, so it's really popular with locals, but it was only two weeks, kind of in the middle of August. So if you are planning to come around that time, definitely go to the PNE and and check it out. It's really cool. That sounds awesome. Another great um, neighborhood to check out is uh, Kitsilano Beach or Kits Beach. 
And I say that because it is, it, it really is a beach. And so it's got a, there's a, a playground, a nice park there. We always, uh, we like to stay actually around that area. We've stayed in da- downtown Vancouver, but we also like to stay in, in Kitts Beach because um, it's a very, you know, family friendly neighborhood and you can walk to this like playground and beach and um, just kind of, you know, collect shells check out the, you know, walk along the water, that sort of a thing. But it's a really nice, got lots of cute little restaurants and shops um, in that area as well. Despite being uh, Canada, you know, we, we get pretty warm actually up here. So <laughs> it's funny because uh, I will go to a water park in uh, Orlando and uh, sometimes I won't get sunburnt, you know, especially, but uh, in Vancouver, the sun just is, seems a lot more uh, powerful up here for some reason, because I get burnt a lot more up here than I do in Orlando for some reason. So, you know, like the sun is intense up here. It can get pretty warm and pretty humid, but it's it's wild as we're used to in the tropics. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, be aware that the sun can be pretty powerful. And so sunscreen up and you'll enjoy the beaches. Definitely. Yeah, it's not, it, you don't have the humidity. It's kind of like Seattle and Vancouver have, you know, obviously very similar climate. Um, we don't get humidity like you get in Florida, um, but you do, it does get sunny. It does get hot. And if you're, particularly if you're on a beach or near the water, there's going to be a lot of sun, you know, reflecting off of the water and onto you. And so that is wearing sunscreen, always a good tip. All right, we're taking a quick pause here and excited to welcome a new show sponsor to our show who's going to be sponsoring our bonus episodes, at least for the next couple of months, and that is Blisslets. And so if you've not heard of Blisslets before, first, you're probably going to be seeing them on board the Disney ships here pretty soon and being sold in the Disney stores. They are a fabulous alternative to C-Band. So Sam got a chance to check them out on our last cruise. They were kind enough to send her a couple of pairs to try out. Sam suffers from some seasickness and motion sickness at times and has used C-Bands in the past to try and alleviate that. And so she decided to give these blisslets a try. The two things Sam loved most about her blisslets were, one, they're a much more stylish alternative to the traditional C-Bands, but two, they also were better constructed. Uh, She said that she felt like they would hold up a lot better to the wear and tear on board than uh, the C-bands would. So she really liked them. They had a lot of great styles, even have some in leather. Uh, And so really, really nice product that she enjoyed. And she can't wait to try them out again on our cruise coming up here soon. So if you are a traditional C-bands user, but you're looking for something that's just maybe a little bit nicer to wear on board the ship, then head over to blisslets.com and check them out. We highly recommend them. And Sam has really enjoyed the product so far. So head over there, check them out. And thanks to Blisslets for sponsoring this bonus show. Looks like Bruce down in your neck of the woods, there's a place called the Terra Nova Adventure Play Environment that looks like it would be really fun for kids. I mean, I, I, I will say this, I am impressed that Vancouver has a ton, it goes back to its gorgeous city, it has a ton of parks, just a ton of parks. And so it's a really great environment from a, a green space perspective, lots of water everywhere. So uh, Kitsilano Beach is an area. There's a Jericho Beach Park just down the way. Um, there's a lot of places where you can just go and, you know, go on a little hike or a walk and there'll be a, maybe a kids play area and, you know, you can just enjoy the water and the views and such. So there is a ton to do in Vancouver and we are barely scratching the surface of what you can do. There's science museums, shopping areas that we've mentioned. 
Um, but there's just a ton to do. So I think it is well worth kind of spending a few days either before or after your cruise in Vancouver to really experience uh, experience the city. It's a great, great city. We love visiting up there. Speaking of places to stay, uh, Sam and I have tended to stay in Airbnbs in the Vancouver area. One tip there is that much like Seattle used to be, Vancouver is a place where air conditioning is not kind of standard protocol for homes. So, <laughs> so when it is warm, you are not going to have the AC to crank up as you would here in the States. And so uh, just be prepared for that. But there are lots of great Airbnb options around Vancouver if you're looking for a spot to stay. We do recommend kind of the, the Kitsilano Beach area because it's it's very, we find it very walkable, lots to do, lots of shops and restaurants. And so when we're staying up there, we, we tend to stay in that area. But Bruce, if you had folks in from out of town, uh, where would you recommend that they stay to be, you know, to have a good time? Oh my goodness. Um, when I travel, I'm pretty cheap. So I'm like a Motel 6 type of person. But, uh, <laughs> you know, around the airport is really nice. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess it depends on, I, I always look at price, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But uh, if you're just there for a, a day or two, then uh, around the airport is pretty nice because then you have quick access to the trains. Uh, and the trains can get you almost anywhere you want to go. Uh, so the closer you are to the trains, uh, the better. Of uh, of course, you know you have the big ones in in downtown, the Fairmont and the Hyatt, and if I'm saying that correctly, Marriott and whatnot. There's a Weston, I think, right across from the the convention center, right at the port um, as well. There's every large hotel chain has a presence in downtown and at the port, really. So. And hotels and high rises are air conditioned. Just to, <laughs> yes, <laughs> just to yes. allay our listeners, it's private private homes and some apartment buildings are are not air conditioned. But offices, high rises, um, and you know hotels, you know public spaces like museums, those things tend to be air, those things are air conditioned. Yeah, and and the sh- the ships come into essentially what is a convention center area called Canada Place hotel closest to where the ships come in if you're wanting to wanting to have that experience of waking up early and watching the ship sail in the fairmont i think it is is right across from the port um the weston has a hotel that's right on the water as well so you could easily watch the ship kind of sailing by uh but you won't be able to see it sort of sitting in the dock when you wake up in the morning and then as bruce is suggesting every major brand of hotel has a hotel within you know five minutes of the the port itself. So where if you're looking to stay close to the port, have that experience like you might in San Diego and be able to just walk your baggage across and get on the ship, uh, the Fairmont is the closest, but you can get a hotel really within five minutes walk of the port uh, really easy. Yeah, the best, if you want to be really close to those ships, uh, I, I totally agree. Uh, look for uh, the area called Waterfront uh, when you're searching hotels and stuff. Waterfront is kind of that region where the ships come in and and uh, you can also see uh, seaplanes coming in every once in a while. So uh, it's it's a really nice area. It's also a great place if you if you are a runner. I know we have some folks who are run Disney fans who listen to our podcast. You can head out your door, run along the waterfront and get right into Stanley Park, which has all kinds of places to run along the seawall there. And so um, it's a, it's an easy access if you're staying close to Canada Place in the waterfront, Coal Harbor kind of area. There's lots of ways to just be able to walk um, and and see the city. It's very Vancouver is very walkable, in my opinion. So we've talked about some options for places to stay. We've talked about some things to do. That leaves us with <laughs> everyone's favorite topic. So 
Bruce, any recommendations, any favorite <laughs> spots you have in the, the Vancouver area that you love to you love to visit? It, the great thing I think we touched on this earlier is that uh, you can get all different types of food in Vancouver. So depending on what you like, you could probably find it. Some examples, we uh, I ate at an uh, Australian-themed pub before our uh, uh, restaurants had to take out only. And so uh, I didn't even realize we had an Australian-themed pub until I walked <laughs> by it one day. So that was pretty cool. You know, There's a British-themed one. Popular restaurants that locals go to and, and know very well one is called white spot and uh they will have you know the traditional i guess canadian american uk type of food and uh, uh fish obviously is a big thing you eat here in vancouver because we're so close to the ocean i think you guys know all about that uh um, sushi so <laughs> sushi absolutely so in white spot you can get burgers of course and things like that the most popular burger is a legendary burger they have some special sauce and keeping the in ingredients secret. So, you know, <laughs> it's good. If you're looking for, you know, quick food and things like that, uh, A&W, actually, this is an interesting one that many people may not know. The A&W in Canada is completely independent from the A&W in the U.S. Oh, I did not know that. If you were to look, uh, if you were to Google uh, A&W Canada logo and A&W U.S. logo, you would notice that the logos are even different. It's a good breakfast spot. They have what's called the all Canadian breakfast, which has eggs and sausages and tomato and things like that. And so they're really popular for breakfast. Of course, they still have the root beer, uh, even though they're independent. Um, and their burgers are like, they, they call it the burger family. So when you order, it's like mama burger, papa burger, teen burger type of thing. So it's, it's kind of cool. That's so funny. You know, we've never eaten there because I just assumed it was the same as the one in the US, which is kind of, you know, like maybe even, well, kind of like McDonald's level food, right? So we've never eaten at the one in, at the one in Canada. But now that I've heard this, <laughs> we are going to try it. Good breakfast. I mean, some of the newer establishments, they look really nice. It kind of looks like a, a 50s dine-in type of place. And so the newer buildings. So it's actually, it's, it's pretty cool. The breakfast I recommend when, when you go there, kind of like a quick little snack place called Beaver Tales. They kind of roam around in a truck so they don't have a permanent location. So you kind of have to search them up, but it's, it's not actually a beaver tail that you get. It's a pastry, but they call it beaver tails because it's shaped like a beaver tail and you put a bunch of ingredients on top of it. So it's really popular. And a lot of the big tourist spots have it. I think Grouse Mountain, which I talked about earlier, has it. Uh, Cactus Club Cafe, you know, it would have the typical food that you're used to. Cow's ice cream, uh, if you can find them. I, I don't know how many of them are in Vancouver. I know that there's one in Whistler, which is about an hour and a half away, which is a great village to visit. But they ha are, have like 32 different kinds of ice creams. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so if you got a kid that loves ice cream, look for cow's ice cream. So there's a bunch of different options for food. Uh, just one tip, I guess. I know when I go to Orlando, I don't know if everywhere in the U.S. is like this, but when I go to Orlando, I remember going to a fast food place and saying, you know, I like a, a Whopper. And then they ask the size, do you want small, medium or large? And I'd always say medium. And I realized I made a mistake because it comes out in such a, like the drinks are huge. And the fries are huge for a medium size. <laughs> and so think of Canada as uh, being like one step down from that, right? So our, 
um, <laughs> our smalls are kid size and uh, our mediums are smalls compared to the restaurants in Florida I went to anyway. So <laughs> you mean you exercise portion control, you exercise portion control in a way that the U.S. has not figured out. I, because, because Bruce, what you're missing is there was a large that used to be able to supersize into something even bigger. So. <laughs> oh my yes. So most of the restaurants you go to, like the, the fast food ones anyway, actually won't ask you if you want a medium or large upgrade, right? So display the option and the price difference on their menu. But if you go to a Burger King and you ask for a Whopper meal, you're just getting the medium, right? They're not even going to ask you, you know, you actually have to ask for it yourself. Uh, McDonald's may ask you, I don't know, I don't haven't eaten McDonald's in years, but most of the chains will not ask you at all. And they'll just give you the standard. Yeah. So if you're looking for, you know, if you're going on a road trip or something like that, and you want that bigger drink, make sure you deliberately ask for it. And what about Tim Hortons? I mean, you can't, oh, yes, you can't talk about Canada without talking about Tim Hortons. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, we have a lot of Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is basically a sandwich, soup, a donut, coffee type of shop. And so uh, Canadians like it. And uh, I mean, I take hot chocolate out of there all the time in the wintertime. So, um, but uh, uh, another interesting fact, I guess, you know, Tim Hortons and Burger King and Popeye's Chicken, uh, they're all one company now. They're one company called Restaurant Brands International based out of uh, Toronto, Ontario now. And so, yeah. Uh, so the menus have changed a little bit lately. They're like the equivalent of our Yum Brands here, which is uh, owns Kentucky Fried Chicken, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We, we do have Pizza Hut and KFC as well. Uh, so we got some things. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We don't want to eat those when we're in Vancouver. Yeah. If you're, if you're <laughs> no, heading yeah. to Vancouver, avoid the Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But what I would tell Americans to about Tim Hortons is think Dunkin' Donuts crossed with like a fast food place, basically, because you can get like, you know, sandwiches and burgers and stuff like that at Tim Hortons. And obviously in the U.S., uh, Dunkin' Donuts is really just uh, you can get some egg sandwiches on like a bagel, but it's really the, about the donuts and the coffee. And Tim Hortons in the morning is about the donuts and the coffee, but they sell other stuff, too. Yes, yes, lots of soups and sandwiches. That's uh, uh, and and uh, you'll hear the expression. Can I get a double double? You hear that a lot at Tim Hortons. And double double is basically two cream and two sugar, right? <laughs> so, you know, you you're go if you want to sound Canadian, that's how you do it. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good to know because a double double in California, you're talking about an In and Out burger, which is your d two patties, two cheese, one burger. <laughs> yes, yes, that's funny. That is funny to know different different lingo. I, I would add in a couple of uh, our favorite spots in Vancouver, which is uh, there is a dim sum place that we're obsessed with. You got to be a dim sum fan, uh, which requires not too much adventurousness, but a little a little flavor of adventurousness in your eating. Um, and it's called Sun Sui Wa. And it is, it's dim sum, but you order off of a menu. It's all, everything's a la carte, but they don't come around with the little dim sum carts. I was going to say, maybe we should explain for listeners who might not be familiar, traditional dim sum restaurants that we've been to, they just kind of roll around with carts and then they ask you if you want the stuff off the cart. And if you do, they, you know, will leave some at your table and keep going. This place is, there's a menu of dim sum and you order what you want and they bring it. 
out from the from the kitchen. And just so you can find it, it is Sun S U N New Word Sui S U I New Word Wa W A H. And, um, and there are two locations: one that is in the Van- city of Vancouver, which is the location we've been to. I think it's original restaurant location in Richmond, BC, where Bruce lives. So there, it has two. Yeah, which is really the center of Chinese food in uh, the, the Vancouver area. And it came recommended to us. And I will say the hallmark for me of knowing that I'm in a good dim sum restaurant is when I walk in and I see the restaurant filled with people from China, Korea, right? Like like it is filled with Asian people. And so they are eating there for their family's brunches on the weekends. And so for me, that tells me it is authentic and good. And we have had nothing but delicious dim sum there. If you're going with a group of people, it's even better because you can order more stuff and share. Uh, Dim sum for two or three is a little hard because you really can only get a handful of things before you're just completely stuffed and need, need to be wheeled out the door. So yeah, and this place takes reservations, um, and I would recommend reservations. You're still going to wait uh, for a table, but you're going to wait a lot less with the reservation than you are without. I want to plug a favorite breakfast spot that we had that's called the Jam Cafe. It's in downtown Vancouver. Again, we don't know what life will look like post-COVID. These restaurants are still showing up on the websites, and so hopefully they will all reopen uh, post-COVID. But Jam Cafe was a popular breakfast spot when we used to go up. They had a couple of locations, but one of them was in downtown Vancouver. And it is a spot that if they open at 8 a.m., you're going to want to get there at 7.30 because a line is already forming and you will be waiting, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes for a table as the morning progresses. And so it is a fantastic breakfast spot, very kind of traditional breakfast foods, but, you know, with, you know, sometimes a little bit of a twist to them, but just a really well done breakfast meal before we we usually stop there before we would head out of town to, to drive back to Seattle. But it is a great spot for for breakfast and quite large portions <laughs> yeah for sure and um i don't know sam any other spots that we really loved i mean we've eaten at indian there's there's lots of indian food uh in vancouver which is really delicious go ahead i was thinking about the ice cream place what was the name of that ice cream place that we went to was it it was rain uh rain or shine rain or sh- rain or shine ice cream yeah so over in kitts beach one of the reasons we like to stay in kitts beach is that they're on west fourth avenue and actually on some of the side streets leading up from the beach, there are a ton of fantastic restaurants. We had a really great Italian restaurant over there, the name of which is now escaping me. Do you remember that place, Sam? I don't remember the name, but I, I can think of it. It's that pot. It was like a pasta place, really. I will try to look it up while we're talking about the other spot. But up on Fourth Avenue, there's a bunch of shops and restaurants, all of which are, are pretty good, including plug for Lululemon, which is from Vancouver. <laughs> see. And so if you are a Lululemon fan, you're going to get as much Lululemon as you can handle in Vancouver from a shopping standpoint. But Rain or Shine ice cream. Yeah, Rain or Shine ice cream is really, really good. See anything you want to add about Rain or Shine? Yeah. So the one thing I would add is just that it's clearly like an independent ice cream shop and all of the ingredients are super fresh. They're definitely... um this is very heavy creamed ice cream, right? So if you are lactose intolerant, you better take your lactate before you eat there. Um, but really fresh ingredients. They have always they have some unique flavors. You can get your standard, you know, chocolate vanilla, but the other flavors that they'll have will be, you know, seasonal and really in some creative flavors. So that would be my plug for for Rain or Shine. It's great. Yeah, and and the Italian place that we ate at was called Nook. I just found it. It was on. It's called Nook. Um, it was really good. It had a line out the door when we went. Um, great spot for pizzas and pastas and things like that. You can tell we're doing a lot of carbs mostly because I was up there for a marathon, <laughs> and so uh, so I'd earned my carbs. Um, 
And there is a there is a burger spot over in Kitts Beach that we really like called Romer's Burgers. Um, it's you know it's a pretty it's a pretty good spot. I I wouldn't say it's like the best burger in the world, but it's a good spot if you're jonesing for a burger. I would just say if you're jonesing for some kinds of some kind of food, Vancouver has it. Um, just hop on Google, do a search, use TripAdvisor. We use that a lot to to find spots, and um, there will be a great spot in the area where you're staying. And we have found nothing but just fantastic food. Uh, up in the Vancouver area. So lots of great places to uh, to eat. Bruce, it sounds like you might have a suggestion for another attraction in the area that you wanted to mention. What What's that? Oh, there's a, if, if you're a Soren fan uh, from the theme parks, uh, there's an attraction here called Flyover Canada. It's actually at Canada Place. So it's right beside the cruise ships. And uh, it is basically just like Soren, Soren over California or Soren o- o- across the world now, I think it's called. And you, it's about 15, 20 minutes long and uh, it takes you across Canada. And so it's a great attraction that I think kids will enjoy and certainly adults too. If you like Soren from the Disney theme parks, it is the same thing. Uh, Flyover was inspired the Soren ride. So uh, it's definitely worth checking out. So Bruce, I have one more food-related question for you, which is poutine. Is it a do or a don't in the British Columbia area? Um, <laughs> so poutine came from uh, Quebec. Um, for those that don't know, uh, it's fries and cheese curds and gravy and stuff like that. Yes, uh, a lot of people will buy poutine. It's it's pretty common when you go to a sit-down restaurant or even a, a quick service restaurant. Wendy's has poutine trying to think of some others that do, but it, it's not hard to find. Um, so poutine, if you like that stuff, poutine, it, it's around, it's pretty easy to find. Smaller things that you can only find in Canada as well. Uh, we have uh, some must-tries like uh, Nanaimo bars, which is hard to explain. You just got to eat it and it's really good. And uh, <laughs> Wait, what's it called? It's yeah. a, a, Nanaimo? It's a, a Nanaimo? Nanaimo bar. It's a named Nanaimo. after the city of Nanaimo on Vancouver Island, Nanaimo bar. What yeah. else? What else, Bruce? Give us more. And we have <laughs> raisin tarts. Raisin tarts uh, is like butter, butter tarts. Uh, those you can find, I found it in a, a, a convenience store the other day, uh, but you can find them in grocery stores. And so, of course, different types of candy for the kids. You know, we have Smarties, which is different than the U.S. one. The U.S. Smarties that you guys have, we call them Rocket. And our Smarties are kind of like the colorful, sort of like M&Ms, but different. And we have Coffee Crisp, which is pretty popular. And my friends down in Florida are wondering why they don't have it. (laughs) Ketchup (laughs) chips. Ketchup chips and all-dressed chips. uh, Potato chips. Uh, If you're from the U.K., you call it crisps. And so those are pretty popular as well. So yeah, a bunch of different things like that, that I think people would enjoy. That's pretty unique to uh, this part of the world. Definitely worth trying them. Well, and you can't, you can't miss, I will just say this, I will be the cliche. You can't miss maple syrup from Canada. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, it is. I mean, we've got, we, the U.S. has Vermont, uh, but Canada, I think, makes some excellent maple syrup and maple candies and all kinds of things like that. It has one of my new favorite cookies that rivals the Oreo, which is a maple cream cookie that's shaped like a Canadian uh, maple leaf. And so if you are a maple syrup fan, I highly recommend picking up a bottle or two as a souvenir to take with you home and you will not regret it. We we were shopping in a grocery store up in Canada and uh, I grabbed a couple of bottles of maple syrup on the way home. I realized it was almost like wine. It was like, this is a single origin forest maple syrup. So (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) 
I was chuckling, but it was good. It was very good maple syrup. So if you're looking for a souvenir, that can be a good one as well. So we've talked about what to do, where to stay, where to eat. Let's just talk about the port experience, Bruce. We alluded to the fact that the port is at Canada Place, uh, the convention center area. It's fairly special. Small port, if I if I had to say, in terms of the number of ships in at one time, it's usually only about two, if I remember correctly. But have you actually gotten on a ship out of the port of uh, Vancouver, Bruce? And if so, what was the experience like? Uh, you know what? That one I haven't done. I haven't gone on a ship out of Vancouver yet. So I know how to get on the ship, but uh, I've not been to Alaska yet. So it's on my bucket list. Walk through the folks how to get on the ship, I guess. Maybe, maybe we'll do that. Yeah, so... When you get into Canada Place, which is the building where the cruise ship terminal is, uh, inside Canada Place, they will usually have uh, different rooms where you check in and things like that. You go through the check-in process in these nice, big, gigantic halls. And then once you have got everything that you need and you're ready to go on the ship, you walk down the stairs and walk into uh the ship so it's pretty easy it's it's uh take very short amount of time really um because it's so close um if you're going to park there's a parking lot in canada place underneath it is pay parking of course and so uh underneath canada place you can park there and take the elevators or the stairs up and check in from there the only thing that i will flag is that canada place is like right it's a it's the road leading to Canada Place is like right up against the waterfront. It is a very heavily trafficked road and a very sort of small street, I will say. And so a few times after running the marathon, I've headed over there to try and get a taxi or a cab and it can get backed up very quickly. And so sometimes heading a few blocks over can save you a little bit in terms of finding a ride home from the cruise or back to the airport from the cruise um, or take the train. The SkyTrain is I think the SkyTrain is so easy. I, I don't know, Bruce, if the SkyTrain is as easy as we believe it is, but it feels really easy. So it is, and and the the benefit of it too is that when you go from when you, when you're going home, it's cheaper on the SkyTrain, and all you you're you're going southbound, uh, of course, when you go to the airport, and so you'll look for the signs which say YVR airport and you just look for the train that says YVR airport and you stay on the train until you get to the very end. It's very easy. Well, Bruce, it has been a blast catching up with you and talking about Vancouver. And uh, we hope we can have you back on at some point in the future to talk more Disney Cruise Line. But uh, we really appreciate you coming on this evening and, and sharing your uh, sharing your insights with us. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, thanks as always for listening to our bonus episode this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have uh, suggestions for bonus content that we could put out, hey, let us know. Questions, people you'd like us to talk to, that sort of thing. We're always open to show suggestions, so just let us know. So with that, just thanks to everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading the reviews from our listeners and connecting with you in that way, and we love reading them on the main show each week. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews. We've got a few left to read, but we'll run out quickly. So don't miss your chance. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can browse over to youtube.com slash dclduo to see some of the videos we put up 
for our vacations. And if you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to defray the cost of the show each and every month. You can also support the show by browsing to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL duo sent you. The DCL duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.